For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And so all of the papers are dominated by the weather, not just this week, but across the weekend as well. The sun this morning says sun thing, sun thing for the weekend. Ireland continuing to enjoy scorching hot weather through the week and indeed the June bank holiday weekend. Forecasters predicting summer starts now. Well, actually, probably technically, maybe a week ago. Um, no hot dogs please is a story in the mail warning not to overdo walkies in the heat with your pet pooches and make sure there's plenty of water for them. You'll probably notice, certainly at our house anyway, the dogs are constantly hunting out the shade as opposed to, you know, any kind of direct heat or sun in the back garden but experts are warning uh, of heat stroke when it comes to dogs and that's a story making the mail today. Heat wave could be on the cards. Ice cream sellers are licking their lips um, Mr. Whippies, are you even allowed to say Mr. Whippies anymore? But Med Aaron says the temperatures uh, may stay high right into next week. And the whole story with regards to ice creams, right? 99s in particular, is a story that I originally picked up on Saturday in the Telegraph. And it's not been picked up by uh, the papers here as well. The original one was saying that the crumbliest, flakiest chocolate uh, sends ice cream vans into meltdown because the ice cream vendors, particularly those in the whippy vans, are saying that the quality of the Cadbury flake has got worse since they moved it and started making it in Egypt. They are saying that it's too crumbly. They are saying that the quality has deteriorated since they started making it in Egypt. And the wholesale boxes containing about 144 flake 99s in them, when they arrive, they have to throw away half of the flakes in the cases because they're all smashed up and broken. They're just too crumbly. Now, I got a 99 in Glen Bay on Sunday afternoon and it was perfect. Perfectly shaped ice cream, perfectly shaped uh, flake. But I'm told that there is an issue with it here in Ireland as well. So, believe me when I tell you, we'll be taking a close look at that story uh, a little later this morning as to whether or not the whippy vans are finding it um, too crumbly um, in uh, Cork. But uh, it's it's interesting, actually, because, you, you know, you talk about the weather and you talk about the amount of money we spend when the sun shines. It's amazing because this morning, uh, I think it's the mirror is leading with it. Is that, that the mirror? They're talking about 8 million euro spent summer sizzler on barbecues, burgers and beer. It's been a huge bonanza for aspects of retail, certainly you'll find, I was talking to Jim Hanley at Hanley's uh, Garden Centre at the back end of last week, and he says, the minute the sun shines, the minute the weather improves, everybody's in and drones, droves, looking for garden furniture, looking for plants and bedding and flowers and everything that goes with it. So that's great news. So Irish householders have splashed 8 million on barbecues, beers and burgers as the summer heats up, and it's destined to continue. Wall-to-wall sunshine. So no matter what you look at, it's great news on the front pages of many of the papers regarding the weather anyway. Mind you, um, a story that uh, broke the back end of last week was whether or not members of Angarda Shikona would actually be travelling to Disneyland, formerly known, uh, well, its old name was was Euro Disney, uh, in Paris. Um, And papers this morning actually have a copy of the memo that Angarda Shikona sent out, I guess, to all of the different stations and barracks asking were there members of Angarda Shikona that would like to go patrolling holiday hotspot destinations across the country. Now, apparently, at the beginning, it was to be Disneyland Paris. But then, apparently, the memo that was released showed that they sent out a request not just for Disneyland, but also for Croatia, 
for Spain, for Mont Saint-Michel in Normandy, for Dubrovnik and for Split, for Croatia and Lugo in the Galicia region of northern Spain. Now, apparently it's true. Um, Mind you, they have paired it back. They uh, have decided that some of those trips won't go ahead, like they won't be travelling to the likes of Croatia or indeed Spain, but they will still be going to Disneyland Paris. Now, there was... Bit of an outcry, well, a big outcry, uh, when this was announced at the back end of last week. Uh, a circular to all officers of Garda rank was obtained by the Star, and they're publishing it this morning um, if they're interested in a summer beat overseas. And of course, there was an outcry about it because we can't spare Gardaí. We don't have enough of them anyway, particularly the state of affairs with regards to criminality here in Ireland and heading off overseas like that. And and the reason behind it, well, to help out Irish tourists uh, that might need a bit of help with regards to different issues on their hollybops. But um, your thoughts on that are welcome. You can text 0868104106. So they haven't cancelled or axed the whole thing, just parts of it, but not Disneyland. The guards also make the papers today because there is a big investigation now underway. Uh, and of course, if, if a system is put in place where money can be made, you can be damn sure it will always attract scammers and fraudsters. And according to the Mail today, they're talking about multiple investigations launched uh, because there are claims that members of the public are defrauding uh, the state's offer a room scheme for Ukrainian refugees. Now, the upside to this very quickly is that people would offer a room to a Ukrainian refugee, the Ukrainian would move in or the family would move in, uh, the state would pay then, I don't know, what is it? I can't remember, is it 400 a month or 800 a month? I'm not sure. But if the family then moved out, the fraudsters would then continue to claim the payment. So that's what the background to this inquiry is. It's not unlike people we've heard in the past who continue to claim a pension for a family member, a mam or a dad who had died. And of course, we heard about that in Lisa a few years ago when there was massive money claimed and a man ended up going to to jail for the story in yesterday morning's programme with regards to the Cork City soccer fans. But again, they are not Cork City soccer fans. They're just vile idiots who would chant nasty things about a man's son going through leukaemia. That's picked up by all of the papers today. Not, not great advertising for Cork. And unfortunately, this was bound to happen. Nationally, when the papers run this, people will see, ah, Cork City fans, uh, what are you going to do? So it's embarrassing enough as it is. Uh, mind you, the club did react very, very quickly and banned them. But the papers have it this morning in quite some detail. Like typical headline that doesn't do any favours is lifetime ban for Cork City soccer fans over a vile chance. Um, and of course, we were talking yesterday about Beaumont Nursing Home. I won't say much about it now because it will be coming back to it. Uh, the upshot to it at this stage is that uh, Beaumont Nursing Home are now informing families and residents that they're going to have to move on, that this, the actual the actual uh, burnt nursing home is pulling out of the fair deal scheme. And the examiner do, as I like to say, a deep dive into it this morning as to what is the fair deal scheme all about? You know the questions and answers that newspapers sometimes do? And why are we talking about this at the moment with regards to Beaumont Nursing Home? Why does it seem to have come off the rails? So I'll have more on that in a few minutes' time. At least there is some good news with regards to the NCT. And I know that I've dealt with this on the air in the past. God knows for all... Way too many years with Augusta NCT winning list. I mean, you could say really in a nutshell, they just can't get enough mechanics. They can't get enough staff. But the Independent this morning is saying average wait time for NCT will be halved 
to 12 days. Um, if you think uh, that the average wait time for an NCT is 24 or 5, 25 days, think again. The people who had applied for an NCT in January and February were told June, July or August. But anyway, the backlog at the start of May was 414,000. But they're now saying that they're confident that the current average waiting time for an appointment will be almost halved by the end of next month. So at least uh, something's happening. And there are a lot of issues regarding different numbers this morning. And I'll come back to this as well later on this morning with an update for Cork City and County. Uh, But uh, Airbnb is absolutely booming while daft doesn't have a whole lot of properties for rent. Um, the papers this morning talk about an Airbnb analysis. This is in this morning's Mirror, where they say an analysis of Airbnb has revealed that there are more than 8,100 full properties. When I say full properties now, three and four beds, suitable for families around the country. So 8,100 are available on Airbnb and 1,175 of similar properties on the website daft.ie. And again, there is a reminder, as it was a warning actually from the the Housing Minister, Darrell O'Brien, telling homeowners, you will be sued, legal action will be taken against you if you don't have the adequate permissions to rent your home or your property on Airbnb. And that would include, of course, uh, paying tax on it. So more on that as well at some stage this morning. Everybody's talking, as they like to say, about a nun uh, over in Missouri who died in 2019 at the age of 95. Um, And thousands of pilgrims now have descended upon the Abbey of Our Lady of Ephesus in Missouri on a pilgrimage to see and to touch the unusually well-preserved remains of Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster, who died at 95 in 2019 because her body has not decayed. And they now think that that should be a sign that she should be made a saint. Apparently, they exhumed her body and found it almost completely intact four years after she was buried. Um, um, She had been exhumed because she was being moved to a monastery chapel. Uh, And without wanting to sound too too, too grim about it this morning, the mail this morning says, Sister Wilhelmina's body was found still in her habit with rosary and crucifix. Her eyes, eyelashes and eyebrows were also all still evident. And would you believe it? They actually have photographs in the papers today of the body of Sister Wilhelmina in this morning's papers. And apparently there is big commotion in America over it, particularly with those of the Catholic faith. And you know, talking about commotion in our lives, our modern strife, I just love these surveys. It involved 2,000 people that were surveyed as to daily life's Worst strifes, the things that wreck your head. And they've come up with the top 10. And God knows it's happened to so many of us, hasn't it? Like the biggest mishap, apparently, is uh, sending a text to the wrong person. If it's a WhatsApp and you can get it fast enough, you can take it back, right? But if it's a regular one, you can't. So sending a text to the wrong person, followed by mistook a stranger for a pal. Hands up in the air. I've done it numerous times. Numerous times. I've even started conversations with people only to realise because of their puzzled look on their face that they're not the person that I thought they were. Uh, better gone to, should have gone to Specsavers, I suppose. Got on the wrong train or bus. Washed clothes and shrank them. Um, changed the colour of the clothes in the wash. Um, made a work meal but forgot to take it. Yeah, been there many times. 
many times. Get into a lot of grief over that one. Uh, forgot to add detergent to a wash. <laughs> Phone rang when it should have been on silent and tried to get into the wrong car. Thankfully, I've never done that, but I do know of people who have. Anyway, if there's any missing on that list, would you please text me? Text 0868104106 if we've left out any of uh, the modern day living's worst errors and strife. And, and he's entitled to do it, John Cleese, to reboot Faulty Towers, in spite of all of the criticism that people are giving the man and his daughter. But he's ploughing on with it. They're already writing scripts. He's saying it will be hugely different from the original. It won't be filmed in the UK. It'll be filmed overseas. He hopes that it will be filmed somewhere hot. And according to the Times UK this morning, the new series will explore how the dramatic and cynical Basil navigates the mod- modern world. I think, I mean, tech, you know, on paper, that should make for a great series, right? Basil living in 2023. It will also see Basil and a daughter he has just discovered that's his team up and run a boutique hotel. Listen, give the guy a bit of credit for the ones that he created already and, you know, cut him some slack. It could be absolutely fantastic. Gotta wait and see. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Everybody's talking about the weather. Let's do this. He's in high demand these days. Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather joins me by phone. Alan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It's incredible. And it's been this way for at least, what, Bones of a week now and destined to continue, is it? Yes, indeed. The fine spell looks set to continue for another week, um, possibly even a little bit longer, but it does look good for the next seven days and very little rainfall, if any at all, in, te- in the next 10 days. So we have blue, blue skies across the country really this morning. Um, there will be a little bit of cloud bubble up here and there, but generally a lot of sunshine. Uh, through the next few days and into the weekend and over the weekend as well. We do have a, a northeasterly breeze that will go easterly that will make the temperatures vary across the country. So if you're heading to the Cork coastline, it, it will be that little bit cooler with that onshore breeze um, compared to maybe further inland. So you're still looking at 20, 21, 22 degrees in many parts of Cork. The further west and inland you hit, you could get up to 23, 24 when you say west, you're talking about inland West Cork, South and West Kerry kind of thing, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Up, up, like, if I was to pick probably the best weather station to look for high temperatures, like we're looking at Shannon is probably the weather station to watch, which could get up to 25 degrees today. And if we if we get five days above 25 degrees, then we call that a heat wave. Yeah. So not yeah. going to be a heat wave for most areas. But, but certainly a summer sizzler, early, an early summer sizzler. Yeah, well, Thursday is the first day of the real summer, the meteorological season of summer. And if you wanted to pick how a summer should start, I don't think you could find a better start to the summer, really. <laughs> is it out of the ordinary for the back end of May and early June, though, I wonder? It, 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 well, temperature-wise, it would be above normal. Um, I mean, we have seen these high pressure come at different times. The Azores high has moved up at different times of the year. We wouldn't see it that often, but I mean, it's not that we haven't seen it. And I have lots of people telling me that it was always like this when they were younger, because everyone only remembers the blue skies, <laughs> That's <summer right. laughs> sunshine. But um, but yeah, it, it's an early kind of blast of summer. Thankfully, for many people, it's probably a little bit more enjoyable without the real height, like 20, late twenties, thirty degrees. So it's probably a little bit better in terms of you know it's easier to enjoy it without really having to worry too much about the heat. 
The only problem is the uh, the lack of rainfall is already starting to um, get some of the farmers a bit anxious around where I am because rainfall levels, believe it or not, have been below normal. So uh, it can't keep everybody happy, Neil. Well, like you're not, you're not suggesting at some stage there'll be a hose ban, will there? Well, <laughs> you know, these things, when they drag on, that can often be the next thing that does happen because... Um, as I say, while we did have a lot of rain in, in March and April, May has been pretty dry and February was very dry. So, yeah, I know, like we seem to go from one thing to the other, from floods to host by bands, but that's, that's kind of the nature of weather these days. And it, it, is, is there anything alarming in that, the nature of weather? Is this, uh, is this more proof of climate change? Yeah, well, I mean, all of the, the long-term climate analysis would tell us that climate change will mean that we will have longer droughts and we'll have more intense rainfall and that's kind of what we're looking at at the moment but at the same time you don't want to become too alarmist we've had good dry spells yeah. in, in the past so I think the point is probably enjoy it and let's hope that we get a maybe you know a good week out of it 10 days and then maybe a little bit of rainfall at night time compared to a lot of people message me they're heading to Spain, to France, to Italy, to Greece and well, they're leaving the blue skies behind and they're heading to some very tundra skies. It's weird actually, isn't it? That, um, you know, the weather in certain destinations that you're supposed to be guaranteed, people haven't been getting it over the last couple of weeks. No, I've had a lot of messages from people in parts of Spain in particular with a lot of rainfall, a lot of heavy thunderstorms and some very bad flooding even in some areas um, and the same in Italy. So yeah, the low pressure... Well, we have the Azores high, they have the low pressure and, and what they start off with is lovely bright days and then it, the thunderstorms develop and they can be very nasty, um, especially with the heat over there. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people who have, I know, booked the, the sun holiday and they're now leaving the sun behind to head to the rain. Though I genuinely feel sorry for them, I really do, to be quite honest, because there's a lot of money involved and invested in going overseas on a holiday. But the message is, this will, this will not last. It's not going to be this way for the whole summer, sure. It's not. Well, you know, while some people might want it that way, I, I doubt it, and I hope not either, because uh, then we would really would have problems. But like that Azores High, it can be very stubborn to move. You know, it really can. Once it gets in there and sits there, it can be very stubborn to move. So we, we could well see another two weeks of it, um, but wow. certainly a week, 10 days looking good. Fantastic. And of course, the usual alerts are there with regards to looking after pets and be careful on the water and wear plenty sunscreen, you know, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, um, absolutely, because the, the sun is really strong and I think people they might think that it's not as quite as strong at the end of May, but it, it is, it will burn you. Off we go. Uh, the back end of May and into June, and you're saying a week to 10 days to look forward to. As always, Alan, thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate it. Great news. Alan O'Reilly from Carla Weather, certainly honing in on her own weather and her own forecast. Dry, warm and sunny uh, for many days to come. Certainly uh, low 20s. Uh, text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. We'll come back to weather-related stuff a, a little later on this morning. I was talking about Airbnb last week and again this morning uh, because of the disparity between what's available uh, to rent and leaded to another update with regards to Cork City and County. And I can tell you that after you pass the 1,000 places available on Airbnb, it's impossible to get an accurate figure. So all I can tell you is that there are over 
1,000 places available across Cork City and County on Airbnb. Um, and it, a lot of it has to do with sharing rooms. Um, but it could be it could be an awful lot more than 1,000, but it cuts off at 1,000. Um, meanwhile, on daft.ie for Cork City and County, there are 83 properties available to rent in the entire county of Cork. Look at the disparity between those numbers. Over 1,000, so many that I can't get an accurate figure on Airbnb, and 83 on daft.ie. And she gave me then a selection of what would be available, say, on daft and the prices that people are being expected to pay. 1800 for a one bed, one bath in St. Luke's. 1800 a month. 2600 for a two bed, two bed, uh, a two bed, two bath apartment in the city centre. 2600 a month. 2200 for a two bed, two bath home in Glanmire. 2200 not even a three-bed, a two-bed, uh, two-bath home in Glanmire, and 1600 for a three-bed, one-bathroom in McCroom. So it continues to go up and up and up. Shouldn't surprise me, because if you even look at things like hotel room rental costs at the moment, they're off the charts completely. I mean, that's that that's bordering on, ext- well, actually, a lot of them are extortion, extortionate prices. But you'd probably say the same about many of the rental prices on daft.ie for properties of Cork City and County this morning. So over a thousand in Airbnb, 83 on daft.ie. That's the update for our own county. Now, I want to update on uh, aspects from yesterday morning's programme regarding uh, Beaumont Residential Care. They have now announced that they've left the fair deal scheme effective immediately. And now there were protests from family members outside the Taunish's office yesterday morning uh, for over 70 residents, the majority of whom are, are benefiting from the scheme. But now the owners have made the decision to withdraw. More on that in a few minutes' time. But at that protest and rally yesterday, uh, Jamie uh, was from the uh, Red FM newsroom and he covered it. So yesterday, families of the residents protested outside Michal Martin's constituency office in terms of He wasn't there, but Jamie O'Hara was, and he spoke to some of those residents who were there yesterday morning. Uh, have a listen to this. My name is Anne Maxweeney. I'm here to speak up for my mother, and these people are actually, the government won't, are not prepared, and the HSC not prepared to fund it anymore. They were looking for some, they say that the fair deal is not covering the expenses that they need. God who knows where my mother's going to go after a month. I mean, like, people will have to start speaking up because, being honest with you, my, my mother should be treated with dignity and respect, not uplifted like a piece of meat because the HSE won't come on board with it. The HSE is looking up to free hospital beds in this out in the region hospital, in which is in a dire state. All the hospitals are in a dire state. And if they prefer to do these things and back these homes, then they'll be free up beds. So... What do, they, what do they want, the HSC? And another thing is, they have to get so used to the staff now down there and, you know, residents down there, they're all friends, and then they're going to try to pick them out of, out of their home and move them elsewhere into a place where they're going to know nobody. It's not fair, really, you know what I mean? I go to the my mother about three or four times in the week, you know. If they're going to move her to God knows where, how am I going to get to visit her all the time, you know what I mean? This is another thing that the HSC is not considering. The HSC now and the government will want to wake up. If they're not leaving the old people down, they're leaving young people down. They're not giving services that we should, we should, we, we, we deserve. We deserve services. You know, it's, it's about time that the government wants to go away and concentrate on their own country instead of worrying about others and start getting, getting into the land and living. They're after losing total, total respect for the Irish people. 
they're not thinking of they're not thinking about their own. Will you tell me your name, please? Owen Horgan. I have my wife in there, Madeleine Horgan, known as Maddie. I'm 90 years of age, and I find it very difficult now to even look after myself. Now that I might say my wife and Beaumont has been a great relief. They've been quite good in there and looked after her terribly well. And now there's a sort of a family form in there, if you like, and we're all getting to know each other. The uh, patients and their loved ones who come to visit them. So we're a gang all around now. We're very, very upset with this. I find I wouldn't be able to cope if I had this thing taken away from me, you know. Because it's like a last resort, if you like, when you part company with your loved one. Uh, it's a case of going in and I know she's there, but she doesn't know that I'm there. And uh, we hold hands and there's a, an acknowledgement of sorts. But uh, I, I feel I don't like going there and I hate leaving there. So there's, it's a double-edged sword, if you like, you know. And we are 60 years so, six children, and all doing their best to help, you know. Yes. It's uh, my mother. Um, what age, what's her name and what age is she? Maureen Kelleher, 81 years of age. Um, it's, she suffers from dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, down through the years, it got very difficult for my father to look after on his own. We all chipped in to do what we could, um, but like we have our own lives, our families as well, and our own responsibilities. Uh, not trying to sound cold, but like we were limited in what we could do, the care that she needed. Um, so we searched uh, for the nursing homes. The public ones were inadequate, and so we forced to go private. And after a long, lot of research, we found Beaumont to be the best choice and in fairness now um, once she moved in there it took her a while to get acclimatised to it um, I mean it was the upheaval for her very strange for her and um, the staff in Beaumont were very good very accommodating even during Covid and everything they were very accommodating and um, it was this uncertainty you now hanging over what's going to happen is it's sickening um, it's playing on my father's health and I don't even want to dwell on what's going to do for my mother if if she has to move because we just do not know what's going to happen it's the uncertainty, we don't know where, which, where we're going to go what, what's going to happen so we're trying to take it one step at a time we've seen the replay from Michal Mountain and you read between the lines and all he's saying is basically look we encourage you to interact and to communicate but you read between the lines, he's not going to do a thing. Um, they tried to say that they have no say in the matter, yet the Minister for Health and they have say in the matter, they can, they can do this. It's not a lot of money to be asking to look after the elderly. Um, when you consider what they've given to other nursing homes and the, the amount of money they've given to other nursing homes, what we are looking for is pittance in comparison and it's all over the news lately like about the surplus money this government have um, 
what are they doing with it? I mean, the elderly have helped build this country. They've raised families. They've paid taxes. And now my father, after all the time working, buying, and eventually buying his own home, fears he could lose it, you know, to help, pay, to help look after my mother. And I genuinely believe we should not be in this position, that the elderly should not be in this kind of a situation. Like, as I said... They've helped build this country, and yet, you know, they've been, this is where they've been treated at the end of the day. They're just discarded as an afterthought by this government. OK, real-life family stories, each and every one of them. Uh, very sad, particularly Owen Horgan, who's in his 90s, speaking about his wife, Madeline, also known as Maddie, who was in there. He just told a very beautiful story. Sad, though, because of the worry uh, and issues regarding what was going to happen next. But uh, Stuart Murphy is Care Choice CEO and joins me by phone. Stuart, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Um, so, pulling out of the Fair Deal scheme effective immediately. Uh, no other choice? No other choice, Neil. Um, at this point, we have tried every effort to get uh, this situation uh, rectified. Now, the situation is uh, this. We're not asking residents to leave for the next month. We're covering the cost of care ourselves. We're ensuring that I'm going to continue trying to advocate and get a meeting. And like I just, um, just again, give you some indication. I've sent three emails in the last number of days. On Friday morning, I wrote, our chairperson wrote to the NTPF asking for a meeting. We have had no response. We've had no response, and this has been the situation for the last So why, months. in the name of God, is the Minister asking you to, urging you to continue to engage with them for a resolution, if you are, and they're not responding to you? Yeah, uh, we, I just did a count there this morning before I came on, and we have 14 emails, 14, sorry, 14 different correspondents, seven letters, seven emails, asking for meetings, and we are getting no response. We had a meeting for 30 minutes, 30 minutes, um, about six to eight weeks ago now and, and we got no answer at the end of that meeting what so uh, let me explain what's happened here Neil over the last seven months we've and eight months we've tried to engage we tried to do it at a group level to avoid any singular home within our organisation being set outside we were told to go back we, we weren't engaged with we did a PwC report we sent Pricewater Cooper report we sent that in it clearly showed that we were at a loss in regards to covering the cost of care our owners have stepped into that void. They've ensured that we we haven't uh, our residents haven't suffered to the tone of 16 million. And then we got to a point where our other nursing homes take away from BRC got a, an uplift of 16 euros, and 16 euros over a week per resident per week. Right, that works out at about 10 cents per hour. Now you know the cost of living. We all know it. You can't cover anything off of that. And we're at a point we have. I've nowhere to turn. I, I do feel like, and I truly believe, and I want to do to say this before I go any further, I want to thank the residents' families for yesterday. It, it's totally very brave. They're advocating on their mums and their dads' behalf. It's really, really brave. But just, like, just well, before that. Yeah, yeah. the Tarnished doesn't agree with that, though. A spokesperson from Michal Martin said that your company has chosen a very political strategy designed to leverage results for yourself and that your actions have caused the families, residents and staff undue upset and stress. So I'll give you a bit of an insight to a conversation I had last week with a lady called Karen. She's St. Anne's. It's the Mayo home closed last week. And after that conversation, I rang her on the way down to Beaumont to meet the families. And in that conversation, she told me 
she regrets one thing, regrets that she didn't advocate earlier until the home closed. 25 nursing homes have closed. Yeah. 600 residents are out of home. So 25 have closed over the past 18 months. And is it yeah. because of funding disparities? Numbers not uh, adding up? Absolutely. Okay. You, you think about this. You don't close a nursing home if the, if the numbers add up. You don't close it. You, 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 somebody, and even at that, somebody comes in and buys it. Somebody will, if it's a profitable organ, uh, situation, somebody buys it. But nobody's going to invest in a situation that is a loss making. At the moment, nursing homes across the state are in trouble. But Cork is in real trouble now. Cork, like the average rate in Cork is 1,026 euros. Right, our rate in Bowman is a thousand and eighty-five. Mary, but down Mary the road, Burger. then St. Luke's is thirteen hundred and sixty-five per residence allocation. Why is that? Yeah, um, I don't know. I can't explain that to you. And what we're asking for is ninety-five euros less. It's three hundred grand a year less. You know, it's we're asking for one thousand two hundred and seventy. But like, if if you think about this, you have you have nursing homes in Cork at this moment in time and they can, cannot be sustainable. Uh, like we have looked up and down on this. We're not sustainable in this, in this scenario. Okay, okay. And, and, and nursing homes aren't sustainable. So it's 16, so it's a, so it's 16 euro per resident was what you were given in the recent review. You get yeah, well, 1,000... Not, not in, in Bowman. We were given an average across our other homes. 16. We haven't had an offer in okay, Bowman. Okay. So, okay, no offer for Bowman, as you were, 1,085 euro per resident per week, but it's costing Beaumont Residential Care 1,270 to care for each of the uh, residents every single week. When, when you, okay, you've announced now you're leaving the fair, fair deal scheme effective immediately. Um, what, what will happen with the nursing home? It will be all private paying, what, t- top dollar, is it? Yeah, no, no, we're looking for around twelve seventy. If I'm honest, that's twelve hundred and seventy euros. We're not, we're not looking. Everything we're asking for here is is on the on the on the understanding that it's sustainable. The home needs to be sustainable. This is a home. This is the resident. This is this is seventy three residents' home. Fifty six of them are fair deal. They have every right to be in that home. They have every right to be there. And we're here. Like I'm having this conversation with you, and I'm advocating that they are allowed to remain. I'm asking for 1,270 euros so the home doesn't have to go through this again, and nor should it. And again, I go to the point, 600 residents have lost their home. Like, I go back to this, can I go back to Karen for a second? And this is a very poignant piece. She had a husband and wife leave the home at that very moment in time, and the wife turned around to Karen herself and asked her, why are you making me leave the home? And Karen had nothing to say to her, but you're going to a lovely room and she said I don't want that room I have my room here in, in my home and this is what's playing out behind closed doors across the state and when are we going to wake up it's going to take 40 nursing homes it's going to take 50 nursing homes how many nursing homes is it going to take to people actually understand this is not the same but not right so are you would it be a case that you'd be asking the residents to top up the 85 uh-huh. euro a week and can, residents families can't afford that they can't afford it. One hundred and eighty-three euros is not affordable. It's nine thousand six hundred and twenty to families per year extra. Yes, and it's still a hell of a lot cheaper than the HSE year that are getting. You're talking about a two million difference here. Why is the why would a HSE nursing home get eighteen hundred a week? Is it because they have a lot more staff, perhaps? 
Yes, and I would want more staff for our nursing homes. If I got 1,800 a week, I would be able to give my, my staff a rise. I would be able to give more staff to the home. I would be able to do the same. I, like, we mine the same types of residents yeah. as the agency yeah. at a very cost-effective uh, uh, situation. We, we mine them in a way no different than the HSE home. We're expected to meet the same standards. We're expected to, to our, a regulator would expect us to advocate on our resident behalf when there's an issue. We're doing that now at the moment, HICWA. And we have, we have a regulator who comes in and measures us the same way to do a HSE nursing home with a hell of a lot less funding. The National Treatment Purchase Fund, and indeed the Minister himself, the Taunish to Mioha Martin, many people are viewing them as being quite cruel to the elderly on this. Um, you know, that, uh, and, and, and that it, it's, it's actually small money in the scheme of things for a country that's supposed to be awash with cash. Well, I'll give you an, uh, an example. The toll bridges were a problem last year in October. And when they became a problem, there was a cheque written and it was sorted. Are ILD not worth the same as toll bridges? Are they not worth the same that there is a problem in the state? People, nursing homes in the private sector are not coming to the fore and arguing this situation. The NTBF come in and they offer you a price. You do not negotiate with the NTBF. There's no demonstrating our costs have outstripped our, our, our the ability to care well, maybe, for our residents. But maybe they're worried, and this is just speculation, that they're holding out because they know that if you get the increase, that you'll be back again looking for more and more, and you won't settle till you get the 1800 that the public nursing home, that they have to draw the line somewhere. But, uh, look, at, I'm not advocating for the 1800 today. I'm not advocating for anything else but the 1,000 or 100. Not today, euros. though, but I'm saying that... No, I'm, I'm nor, nor know, am I... I when I'm the door's ajar, you'll keep pushing kind of thing. No, well, so, uh, look, I'm not... That's not for me. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a challenge to that within the European courts. That's not for me to, to deal with here today. I'm looking for sustainability for now. I want to go back to do what I do. Which our, our nursing homes want to go back to do what they do and do it well. And I want that for our nursing homes. I want sustainability. I'm looking for 183 euros. I'm not looking for the extra 600 euros of difference or 700 euros of difference. I'm not looking for the 1800 here today. Mm. I'm not looking for it in, in next week or the week after mm. that or in the year after that. Mm. I'm looking to be sustainable today. I'm looking to go back to where we were before the cost of clear living crisis. I want to mind the 56 presents. I, I, okay. I need to mind them. Okay. Maybe you made the announcement late yesterday just to just turn up the heat some more uh, on the NTPF, on the HSC, on Micheál Martin, knowing that if you make the announcement you made saying we're leaving the scheme effective immediately, residents can stay for one more month, that you're pushing them into a corner where they will have to concede. So, Neil, I was on your programme nearly five weeks ago now, right? Yeah. And I asked for engagement. I asked to sit down with somebody. I asked... And um, um, Minister McGrath was on the show before, and I was uplifted by it. I was hoping that uh, he said there'd be a resolution planned to this. I do not want to be having these conversations with anybody. I just want to sit across the table with somebody in a meaningful fashion, with an open and transparent conversation, saying, "Look, at this is this is the cost. Can you give me? Can you fund us? Can you let these residents stay where they are? Can you ensure that the families do not have this grief?" Can we do this across all of our nursing homes mm-hmm. and across the sector? So if nothing, That's all that needs to happen here. Okay, so, if nothing, here. So, what, so if nothing happens with regards to the 56 residents who have a contribution from the state, they can stay for a month, and then what? Do you know what? I, uh, to be honest with you, Neil, I do not want to have, even think about that. 
But we yeah, but the families have to think about it, though. Yeah, no, sure. no, no, no. no. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, know I spoke to the families about this, and we will support them. We'll support them through that that change. But if that has come, if that happened, this, we have failed as a state. Well, what do you mean, support yeah. them? Uh, help to relocate? Is it? Yes, absolutely. And we will organise. We will, we will ring around for them. We will ensure, and until they find somewhere to live, we will ensure that they are supported. What oh, I'm saying to you, I'm, I'm saying to you, Neil, if we allow that to happen, look at. It's a scandal, really. It's a scandal. And do you think that there are more, particularly here in the Greater Cork area, that will be making announcements like Beaumont? I I do. I do. And I think that there there is one nursing home at present, I believe, that's not able to take in residents at the moment. There is there is issues beyond that, and I'm sure the minister or, and Tanishdas uh, is aware of this. And I believe the families went down to the Tanishdas offices because he's a man of action, and I believe that he has the ability okay. to deal with this. And I, I would ask him to step in here. I would ask Mary Butler to step in here, and I would look at. I would if the NTBF were to call me now, I would answer the phone call. I would make myself available, clear my diary, make sure everything that we have a meaningful engagement. We're not in the in the market here to cause our residents and families distress. Your phone is on. You have signal. You're waiting for the call. Okay. Okay. Stuart, for now, I have a feeling we'll be chatting again. But thank you for taking the call at this stage of the program. Thank you, Stuart Murphy from Care Choice. He's the CEO. Um, Just a fast break and another quick call this side of town. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Looks as if we have the makings of a crisis on our hands, lads. That's for sure. Pat Kennedy has uh, the Churchtown North Cork Care Home. Joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Thanks for holding. I appreciate that you've got 90% of your residents on the fair trade or fair deal uh, scheme. Are you in trouble? Uh, look, look. At the end of the day, um, you know, we, we, we're we're in the middle of a housing crisis right now. We're, we're heading towards a bed crisis. I mean, if, if you were to judge me for a second, in in the next five or six years, the census are telling us that there's going to be six, there's going to be a million people over sixty-five in this country. Mm. A million people over sixty-five, and um, that's going to put more pressure on on trolleys and 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 people blocking blocking beds. And, and here before the, the 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 safety valve was nursing home beds that yeah. was discharged nursing home beds. Yeah. Well, 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 guess what? We're going to wake up in five or six years' time, and those nursing home beds won't be there. Well, we're seeing because it already. With twenty twenty five have closed in the last eighteen months, and sure. Beaum- well, sure. in, in the sense that well, these the ones that twenty five have closed. Beaumont, they're saying, if nothing changes, will resort to just private care. Um, can I ask you about your rates, though? Are they comparable to Beaumont's, or are they higher? Thousand eighty-five. Um, our, our nursing homes are dotted around rural Ireland, so so in in in, uh, in rural Ireland, the rates are, are a good bit lower than, than those that are set in the city. But but then you know that that's our that's our whole that's our whole issue is that the NTPF have no real mechanism for calculating the cost of care. I mean they they, they use four pieces of criteria, but in the end of the day, you know they're, they're that's not fair. I mean you know and the average for the county. I mean what, what does that mean? You know so you have an old nursing home. Uh, next to a brand new facility, and 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 they they take an average rate for the for the cost of care for the beds. You know that's that's not fair. Mm, mm, like, yeah. like in the NTPF, what we have to what your listeners have to understand is that is that the 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 NTPF their only remit is to procure beds as cheap as possible, and they've been doing a great job of that for for years, consecutively compounding the rates and keeping them low. But but the consequences are that the nursing homes run out of funds. But you're not and operating at a loss, though, are you? No, no. You see, it, it, was, it was all very well to, to, to pay us two or three uh, percent in times when inflation was 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 a flat line. 
But now inflation is gone, is gone um, through the roof. Mm. Inflation is running at 8 9%. So we're, we're heretofore being paid 2% and inflation is running at 9%. So who funds the gap? But is there, so is there still now, profit in it? Or are you, is the profit being squeezed out? So, so he, he, we're here now, unfortunately, and we're trying to find ways of, of, of cutting our costs. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, our, our treatment of our elderly is, is appalling. I mean, I mean we, we're, we're standing on their shoulders of prosperity. You know, so, so you know, just, just like Stuart there, I mean, he's almost ashamed to be doing what he's doing. But he doesn't have a choice. What, kind, know, of, what, what, what kind of an increase, well, we know the increase that he's suggesting would be needed for a typical example of Beaumont. It, it comes in at about €85 Euro per week. It's quite paltry in the scheme of things, considering they are elderly and they are infirm citizens. Sure, sure. I mean, in the end, I mean, um, we, we're told that 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 um, that the the elderly only take up five percent of the HSC budget. So, so, so there's only five point one percent of the entire budget spent on our elderly care. So, I mean, I mean, where where, where does that leave us in, ter- in terms of our respect for our, for our for our, our elders? And is, I mean, the church town, the church time home, and I know it's the windmill group care. Homes. There's, there's, I imagine there's a lot of them. Is there a few of them around the country? Anyway, at least six, six of them. Yeah, six. And how big is Churchtown? Churchtown is a forty bed. Forty. So, so un, un, unfortunately, small nursing homes and <coughs> excuse me, um, a forty bed nursing home <coughs> would, would be considered to be small in this day and age, and it, it's going to struggle to survive because it doesn't have the economies of scale. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and how so many we, how many bed facilities would you have around the country then? So, so we, we have six centres all together, and, and they average they average uh, sixty bed facilities. Right, and in total, how many would that be? Three hundred and sixty-three beds is what we have. All and ninety percent of them are fair deal. Yeah, you see, we we, we become we become very dependent on fair deal schemes. <coughs> oh, to- oh, totally, absolutely. But um, is, is there a chance that somewhere down the track you also will have to give notice to quit to residents and replace them, if possible, with private people? Sure. I mean, that, that's the chapter we're in now. We're, we're watching Stuart Murphy there with, with his care choice uh, nursing home. And he's, he's, um, he's, he's got to a stage where he, he doesn't have an option now. And he, he, I, mean, I mean, he put to me one day, do, do, we, do we die slowly or do we try and make, make a case for ourselves? But do you think you that know? maybe he's just turning up the heat to actually get a result? That this is a big step to make, no, saying no, people... No, Neil, the no. thing is, we, we, we've, been, we've been banging this drum for the last four or five years. We, we're, we're suffering from, uh, you know consequential years of compounding low rates. And that was all very fine when inflation was low. But now inflation is, is, is a new wave. Inflation and interest rates are coming at us like, 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 like a tidal wave. And we can't cope with those kind of massive increase in costs. That's, that's nothing to say with, 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 with our, our poor staff. Okay. Okay. I mean, we, we've, we've come through COVID. Our staff are COVID fatigued at this stage. Our staff are disillusioned. They're underpaid, in my view, and and um, and the NTDF are doing a great job in keeping uh, a lead on things. Okay, well, well, let's let's see what happens next with regards to the ultimatum, because it is an ultimatum actually that Stuart has given Michael McGrath, Michal Martin, uh, the the minister Mary Mary Butler, and indeed the National Treatment yeah, Purchase we, we, Fund. We, let's we, see how they react. We've been, yeah, we've been engaging with all these people as well, and and they keep going, coming back to us saying that look, you know, we, we've uh, the NTPF are are, um, are are a statutory independent uh, government agency. And that they have no, they have no um, uh, authority over this independent statutory agency. But but the, the difficulty is, is that if the consequences are the nursing homes are all going to fold. I mean, are they going to stand by and and, and take this high moral ground of statutory independence? 
It's not our fault. We have no input. They can't influence. I mean, if they don't influence soon, there'll be nobody left. Okay. okay, thanks for that, Pat. Much obliged to you, uh, Pat Kennedy from the Windmill Group. Neil, I said it five years ago, disband the HSC. I think people should come out and have a national protest. The government left the elderly to die in the so-called pandemic, only now to be upsetting them again and their families. They actually have no regard for the elderly, says Frick. Uh, somebody else says they leave undocumented in and give them hotels and money but they don't care about our elderly. You can't get help from the government. You should demand those so-called politicians on air. You can't make this up. Well, but I have done. I mean, we have got in touch and put in requests for both Micheál Martin and indeed Michael McGrath. We'll have to see what the story is there. I, I can tell you that I've had numerous requests for Micheál Martin over the past year and I've had no luck, but I have never been denied a request or an opportunity to talk to Michael McGrath on the air, so we'll have to see what happens. 40 international protection men are being moved into the small village of Cloyne, into two houses on, a, on the side of the street. What will they do all day? Just hang around on the streets? Our local politicians should be ashamed of themselves. We voted them into representative represent us, but they're not doing that. They're more concerned with the welfare of people from multiple countries than our own vulnerable elderly citizens. Uh, the o- residents of Onakura Mental Health Centre, the only person who speaks for them is a councillor, Liam Quaid, says Patricia. Heartbroken listening to the elderly man speaking about Beaumont and his wife of 60 years. He shouldn't have to face the worry and stress of it all. The love he has for his wife is so evident in your report. She doesn't know him, but he sits and holds her hand and hates leaving. And there are other texts like that. You can get involved in the conversation. Text 0868104106. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Yes, indeed. And with the great weather, it's also lovely to be talking about all of the different festivals and summer events that will be happening across the summer amongst them Musgrave Park I gave away tickets yesterday for George Ezra uh, this morning I am giving away tickets for Paolo Nutini who plays Musgrave Park on Wednesday the 14th of June so stay listening for your chance to scoop a pair sometime between now and midday uh, courtesy of ourselves and Musgrave Park in the big lineup. tomorrow then it'll be Florence and the Machine Thursday Coda Line and Friday the 1975 alright so that's all to come uh, with regards to uh, Beaumont uh, Care Home and others that could follow. This is obscene. The government has no interest in Irish people's needs. To let a nursing home close is scandalous. No respect for the most vulnerable. Not technically closed, but not taking fair deal uh, residents. They should get a court order to prevent the closure. Uh, Ah, yes, Neil. Beaumont. No money for our own who pay taxes but billions for migrants. Great little country, isn't it, says Joe. Does the government want to start a civil war, kicking out old Irish people in Blackrock and then with pride announcing the new homes in Mahan for non-Irish people? Um, That's an interesting text, actually, because 700 modular homes um, are to be built to house Ukrainians who have fled war, um, and a number of them have finished. Uh, but certainly one that definitely is finished is the 64 units on the Brownfield site in Mahan. It took seven months. Two of those months actually were spent clearing Japanese knotweed, uh, but the units will be furnished, equipped with electrical goods, kitchen utensils, bed linens and everything that goes with it. Um, but they're built and they could even be furnished at this stage. And the first residents will move in mid-June. Now, they hope to focus on families of four. 
Uh, and they also hope that those that will be furnished who've come from war in Ukraine will be people who are already living in the Mahan area. So that's as much as I can tell you. They are already um, trying to work out who's going to go in there. They haven't made a decision on that, but uh, they hope to have people at least starting to move in to the 64 modular uh, homes uh, by the middle of June. Back to the text we go. The government is solely interested in optics for their EU masters to turn the country into a slum, but will do little for the people in Beaumont Residential Care. Uh, and there are more like that, incidentally, which I will come back to, but I'm keen to get back to my phone lines. Mark Kelleher is on line one. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Your ma'am, Nora Maureen, is 81. I think I might have heard a little bit from you in the Vox there before 10, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, One of the yeah. points that you made that not just your man, but many of those, of course, lived all of their lives, rare families, built homes, went out to work, paid their taxes. That was you, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Like, um, these people have built this country, you know. Um, the effort they put in, they did it selflessly. I mean, they need help, especially from this coalition government, it seems. There, you know, the money is there, apparently, but... It's not for some, it's for us. Okay, um, and, it, yeah. and it's your 81-year-old ma'am who has, you don't mind me saying what her no, condition yeah, She has no, dementia no. and Alzheimer's. Um, it, it, she, she's probably not aware of the the, no, the risk no, she is not. at, is she, no? No, no, she's not. But, but um, your dad is. Yeah, and it's, it's taken a toll on him. I mean, as family goes, like, um, we've always been a close-knit family. We've always looked out for each other and helped each other. And it was a huge decision decision to send my mother to a nursing home. Uh, it's like we failed her. But, you know, there was a reality there that we could only do so much for her. And especially my father, he took it very bad, like, you know. Um, yeah. And now the deal with, like, we finally got a good nursing home and got into a routine, the whole lot. And now to have this thrown at us again. Um, and not just us, but... A lot of other families, I mean, they're probably all in the same position. They all feel the same way, betrayed, despondent, you know. Um, There's a lovely man there, Owen uh, Horgan. He's into his 90s now talking about his wife, Maddie. He says he hates going because uh, life is so changed now. But he also hates leaving her when he goes. You know, he was he's very open and honest about his feelings. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm exact same. I feel like uh, I'm abandoning her every time I leave, you know. Um there's always a sense you could do more and like these people like the families have done as what as much as they could it's just the government haven't met them halfway like uh, the the NTF like hasn't the NTPF have met them you know um, I mean they say there's uh, one and a half billion provided for the nursing homes and stuff but there's actually less nursing homes in Ireland than what this time last year. So, would, would, oh yeah, because they're 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 not opening necessarily. Well, they're certainly not opening in any way comparable to the amount that are closing. Um, are, is your family sitting down and thinking if you can afford? Let's say if nothing happens, if you could afford to pay the top up difference, the eighty five extra a week. Yes, we are. We've we, um, for the last two weeks we've been doing that. We've actually been kind of half expecting this to happen. So. We've tried to look into other nursing homes. Um, but you see, if they pull out of the fair deal scheme, they won't take any money from fair deal. So you you could be looking at the consequences of your mother having to move. Yes, uh, that is a possibility. Um, 
but we are putting our heads together as such. We're looking into our options. Um, as I said again, like you know, it's it's weighing on my father, especially. Like I mean, he actually would would consider selling the house to help pay for it. You know, has he said that? Um, uh, the house he you know spent all his life paying for, you know, providing a home for his family, and just with the um, well, what this coalition government are doing now, as regards you know just casting aside. He's gonna to have to. That's a possibility. That's an option for him. Where would, but where would he, where would he go? That's probably more than one of us, you know, or dumb size, as they say. We don't that, know yet. Like that, would say, be, that would be so cruel if that was if he was forced to do something like that. It's despicable, Neil. It's despicable. I mean, this is the home he built for her, with my mother. This is the the home that provided for the family. Like um, I still call him every day. We all do, you know, um, and it's like we're actually more at home here than in our own houses, if you know what I'm saying. Of course. Um, yeah. now, it's a family home. Like, yeah. like, we have options, obviously. It's just trying to figure out what's best for my mother. You know, that's going to be the, the main concern. Okay. Well, if and when I get an opportunity to talk to either Michael McGrath or Micheál Martin, I will certainly be giving case histories of people like yourself and also um, with regards to Maddie and, and her husband, uh, because the impact is devastating. It's cruel, actually. It's actually cruel. It really is inhumane. I, it, it is, and I agree with you. I mean, some of them, like all of us, the families of the residents, like, you know, um, we've shared the emails that have been sent and gotten. And I'll be honest, like, if you read between the lines, Michal uh, Mountain, he wants nothing to do with us. He's saying, like, it has nothing to do with him. It's, like, all we encourage you to communicate. And I left, but... It's nothing about him saying, look, I'll try this, I'll try that, yeah. You know, it's just he's washing his hands of it. Same with uh, Minister Burke, like, you know, it basically the response we got was a copy and paste. You know, it was just um, disrespectful, like, you know, it's like mm. a case of, yeah, let's just send that off to them. Mm. Mm. Like, I'd be Take honest, the, boxes, like, yeah. Yeah. The, more, the more interested in window shopping than uh, actually getting stuff done, you know. Okay, well, hopefully the move by Beaumont Residential Care and Care Choice may well yeah. force their hand, you know? You never know. You never know. No, no, no. You okay. never know. Um, okay. You can only hope for the best. Okay. All right. No, thanks. Thanks for the worst. Hope all right. for the best. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you taking all the call. Right. Regards to all of the family, even though you're living in worrying times. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And there are others like that. If the HSC are saving 800 per week per patient, why not? go the extra and give them the 183 to keep Beaumont home going. Yeah, well, it's not quite 800 per week when in the difference between, say, public and private uh, nursing homes, but it probably is somewhere in the region of maybe 600 per week in the difference. Can they increase the fair deal to get to 10% from 7% uh, so as not to move them? Wouldn't it be just that simple? Absolutely. It certainly would be that simple. And we wouldn't be having these conversations and families wouldn't be so upset. Uh, and also, more families potentially upset because more nursing homes could also decide we can no longer stay in this scheme. As a paramedic, it's my experience that the HSC nursing homes, the public nursing homes, would have doubled the amount of staff on compared to those in private settings. I believe the disparity in pay is due to staffing levels, as in the disparity between what a private nursing home gets and indeed what a public uh, HSC nursing home gets. I will come back to this. I promise you that. And if I have updates with regards to uh, politicians, then I'll be right back to it again. 
Incidentally, your calls are welcome as always on 0818-104-106. I had a lovely conversation with a man called Glenn McCarthy on the air yesterday morning. He battled back from an horrific, chaotic life with alcohol and uh, drug issues, paranoia and schizophrenia. Lovely texts on this. Glenn has battled and made it back from a very dark place. He's a great example of someone making a comeback. And I haven't seen much better than Glenn's comeback, I can tell you, says one's texter. Another person says, Glenn McCarthy is a true inspiration to a lot of people. The joy and hope he brings is second to none with so many of us going through addiction with family members. So well done, Glenn. Seriously. Wow. Lots of love. Well done to Glenn on his book launch and for sharing his experience with you, his strength and his hope on air. He's a huge inspiration to lots of people. And besides that, the most fun-loving, caring person and a joy to be around. His energy is infectious. He's a credit to himself, to his family and his wife. All amazing people who never gave up on him. Truly blessed to know Glenn and the family. Keep being yourself, Glenn. You're smashing it, says Sinead. Morning, guys. I was listening to Glenn McCarthy speaking on air. What an inspirational man. Doing so much great work for everyone around him, from marathons, for Belarus, to just being there, to lending an ear to someone who needs a helping hand. He helped me get from a dark place in my life to absolutely thriving and in now enjoying every day. He's a great father, husband and friend, says Benny. There's another few. Glenn McCarthy is an incredible inspiration and such an amazing guy. Timmy says, the great Timmy Long, truly inspirational person and a story that will inspire a lot of people in addiction. Let them know there is hope. Uh, Morning. I'm absolutely blown away with Glenn's story. He's a true inspiration. I don't see enough of these positive stories of how you can overcome addiction is more highlighting the problem than the solution so well done to both of you for a very raw and open conversation i feel this will help a lot of people and give hope to those who are at their lowest glenn's a breath of fresh air we need more like him another one the work he and his family are doing in the north side and across the city is unbelievable they're saving lives helping anyone that needs it there is a movement happening neil and it should be highlighted more by the media to give others hope thanks for giving glenn the airtime to share his story And if Red FM shout out the book launch on the 4th of June on social media, it would be so kind. I'll get that done. Huge huge well done to Glenn on air. Absolute inspiration. Very lucky to have met him, says Abby. Uh, Abby, I should say. Amazing interview this morning. Great story of strength, hope and resilience. Powerful and inspirational. And it will help people. And just two more. Delighted to have heard him on the air, giving his experience, his strength and his hope. Flourishing now in recovery and finding new talents. His calling actually finding his calling uh, he's truly arrived what a super fella to per, to uh, to know i had the pleasure of meeting him regularly a really go a, a real go to for support and inspiration and one final one my god floored by glenn talking truly inspirational thank you glenn for being open and honest and telling your story so to so many people and you will help many by doing this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're an amazing person. Keep shining bright, says Catherine. That's fantastic. I mean, that's just some lovely, lovely kind thoughts. And of course, at the end of the day, conversations like Glenn, Glenn's will give hope to others battling and feeling that they're always going to fail in recovery. Uh, battling to keep on going. Uh, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Part of my conversation with Mark Keller about his mom Maureen, she's 81, he said that it's a very difficult decision for families to ultimately have to make with regards to a loved one where they can longer stay at home or get the type of care that they need because much of it could be occupational therapy or it could be, it could be medical. 
um, you know, that kind of uh, area that the family can't deal with because they wouldn't have the qualifications or the experience of it. It's a hard call to make because you feel, I suppose, that you would want your loved one to be at home all of their lives and do the best you can for them for as long as possible. And you feel, I suppose, as if you have failed them. And there must be, at the same time, an awful sense of guilt, uh, even though, um, you know, and we have all sorts of, you know, different levels of of care homes in in Ireland. God knows I've been in enough of them uh, over the past uh, 10 or 15 years to be able to give at least some opinion on them. Some of them them are, are, you know, I I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't want to end my days and in some of them with regards to uh, people just sitting around all day looking lost but others then have a lot of interaction and you can just feel and sense when you walk into some of the ones that are really good and the ones that are just kind of ticking boxes but maybe that's for another day but back to the phone lines we go Don is standing by and so is Andrew but first up Freak good morning Alright my man they're all, they're all they're all you know they, they all might say well the HSE has nothing to do with the Department of Health and the Department of Health can't say anything about the National Purchase Treatment Fund but they really are all the one umbrella, really. You know, they they could be talking yeah, to each other and sort of. Like, I mean, you know, you'd be sick of talking about the here to see me. Like as I said, you'd be probably brought up in the council, and I'd be thought about disbanding them. That was five years ago, more. Like, but it's still every day you hear something. That once they here to see if they'll foot in there to make a hands of everything. It comes across as, as it can be very cold and calculating and lacking emotion. You know, when it comes to the very mm-hmm. young and the elderly. Exactly, Neil. Already, like I said, be the first. Like, I'd say, like, if you've no past, you're like, you'll have no future. You know what I mean? The, the people, they are well, before us. Like, so I mean, God, I mean, the way they were treated during the pandemic, Neil, was a disgrace. A disgrace. It wouldn't happen in any other country. People looking in windows at someone you love dying. I certainly would have went through a window, you know, and that's, that'd probably be me. Mm. And I'd say a few more would have. You know, yeah. and that's the what the be- well, that's actually without revisiting the whole COVID issue. But that's oh, yeah, the be- well, a lot of that is with the benefit of hindsight. You know, a lot of those that were cocooning at home were doing so voluntarily out of fear. Out of fear, yeah, but fear is it? Fear can kill people a lot quicker than sickness. Oh, and, listen, and I think that there was a lot of cognitive decline uh, and a lot of early onset dementia and Alzheimer's because of all of that stuff during COVID. I really do. Yeah, Neil, like when I went up, actually, I was actually up in uh, Bournemouth Hospital there, a Bournemouth nursing home there about two weeks ago. I was passing there on my bike, so I called it to see a friend of mine. Yeah. And like it seemed that she seems happy enough, woman is in the but like. It's crazy, like the situation, Neil. By and I don't know. Sometimes we don't. My book be protest. Give it to here to see, like. But and as you have, you have the minister. No one will communicate with anyone either. But sure, that's not in the way, doesn't it? Well, I, I, I had a call in, all right, to me, Omar. No, at, at short notice, I, I grant you that. Uh, but his people came back there saying that he's not available that he is in cabinet this morning. So I've asked now as yeah, to whether... I was asked now... Shortly, yeah, well, I've asked now whether he might be available at some stage tomorrow. So we'll see what the response to that one is. Yeah. Nothing back yeah. from Michael McGrath. Well, Neil, I thought you were still over at the after party there for the combination. I thought you were gone that long. Oh, no. That's one thing you'd never find me at anyway. I know, I'll tell you guess. And that's a fact. Cheers, Rick. Take care. Don, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, your, uh, thanks for your text. Your thoughts? Oh, yeah, the um, you were just on to Maureen's husband there. Uh, she she's eighty one, right? And he like me, we've worked all our lives. Yeah, so that was her son, right? Mark. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her son, yeah. But yeah, was her 
Her husband had to make a decision as regards getting out of the house, dog, was it? Um, he said to me in the conversation that his father is afraid that he might have to sell yeah. his house to afford her yeah. care. That's what I'm saying. The, 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 but the, the husband is worried about the wife, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's worried about, uh, obviously, he's, he's, a, he's a good age himself. But, like, I mean, this, this fair deal, whoever came up with that name, it's no fair deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long your researchers need might be able to find out how long is the fair deal scheme in and who brought it in. Okay. Because people, people like uh, him and uh, others like him, uh, they've worked all their lives, they've paid, they've paid their taxes, and they're, they're living, uh, I suppose, you know, doing the best they can. And then you have somebody to come along and say, right, we're going to take the house. You have to get out of the house and go somewhere. Fair, you deals, know? fair deal scheme was brought into law on the 1st of July 2009. Thank you, uh, Kevin. Yeah. 2009. Uh, and, and under it, uh, I imagine people understand how it works. A financial assessment will calculate how much you pay towards the cost of the nursing home care. Depends on your income and your assets. If you have no income or assets, you pay an awful lot less. And then the balance of it, whatever that might be, is paid by the state. Yeah, but see, sometimes that's, that's, your that's, home that's, can be included in the financial assessment, apparently as well. Yeah, yeah. the civil servant now above in Dublin, pen pusher, right? This is this is a great idea to get the people again, the the, the people that the working people of Ireland having to to pay on the double. Mm. You know, mm. Mm. and it's 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 very unfair. And I I can mean Michal Martin. I, I was in college with, with Michal. And I think he's a fair, fair enough man. And I think he he would if if I suppose there have to be matches about it. Yeah, to I get have to say to that that I have heard him in the past get irate and angry about topics, different topics, and sometimes he can be quite brusque in his response to things if he doesn't agree with them. But I'm wondering how he feels about this, particularly in his own yeah, parish. It would be interesting to find out. All right, Neil. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, Keep up the great work and keep the flag flying for the, for the right. people, the old, the older people. All right. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Frick. Thank you, Mark. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. The government wants to start a civil war, kicking out old Irish people in Blackrock, and then with pride announce uh, the new homes in Mahan, the modular homes for the uh, non-Irish. Uh, again, why is it, and, and I understand people's frustration and anger, and I, I'm frustrated as well by by virtue of the amount of uh, money that seems to be found and can be found uh, for issues relating to war in Ukraine. But why does it always get turned around? Everything that goes wrong here seems to get turned around and, and, and refugees get to be blamed for it all. Your thoughts on that? Text 0868 John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Yeah, why should it why should it surprise us? Go ahead anyway. Well, like where are the politicians in court that are have not gathering? As, I tell you, what, as, I tell you what I'm going to do. I, I've realised here that I have a serious problem with one particular line that I'm using this morning. I'm not going to blind you with boredom as to which technical line it is, but that line is a problem. My right hand line, so uh, the five calls on on line one. So we would need to 
for now anyway don't feed me any calls on that line and I'll talk to John and the others after the break get it off your chest text the Neil Brinderville show now 086-8104-106 Red FM I was asking why do conversations get turned around and we end up talking about migration and immigration and war refugees chap says well here's the reason why when you tune when you tune into UK television the question being asked is how to stop immigration on our own television radio stations it's how much more we must take in that may answer your question thank you for that back to the phone lines John apologies for that bad line go ahead you're okay listen if there's any cock politician belonging to the trinity of destruction that are okay with this they should think about packing up now or else tell their party leader that we collapse the government because uh, this will only be the start of what will be the norm for uh, throwing the vulnerable out of uh, nursing homes. They were quite happy to let the people die alone in nursing homes during the, the, the flu epidemic that, that we got. And now they, they want them to go away and die in a ditch, is it? But Jesus Cromwell would be proud of them. What, you, you will get no response from any politician in Cork. But there were responses, but they don't hold any water. Yeah. One of the responses no, no, was, no. we urge care choice and nursing homes to continue to engage with us for a resolution. But yet, Care Choice have told me uh, that in the case of, say, Beaumont and others, they sent 15 phone calls and emails and got no response. Yeah, but hold on a while now. Uh, the government, the, the elected are supposed to be running the country. We're awash with money in the country, wherever it's coming from, which we won't go into now. And they can't afford to keep... Coming uh, from, it's coming from, from taxation receipts primarily. Businesses that are booming and paying their fair share in PRSI, capital gains tax, people who are paying USC, who are paying their PRSI. That's why. It's yeah. hard-working people yeah, well, of the country booming. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any one of them people out there this morning uh, would begrudge uh, their tax money being spent to keep the elderly. That's a brilliant point. That's a brilliant point in some kind of comfort. Now, as I said, any politician in Cork who is going to be looking for a vote come election time, they're going to have to be asked, did you get back to your party leader and tell him you collapsed the government if this kind of carry-on is going to be allowed? This is the question that needs to be asked. By well, just think about the boxes that you take next time round. If this is where we've come to, you know, if this is where it comes to, yes. countries are washed with so, money. Andrew's going to make the point about being able to find it for others that need it in emergency situations like we know. Uh, but yet yes. when it comes to the elderly who've contributed all of their life for small amounts of money now, we're talking about 85 yes. euro a week so the businesses can continue to give the care that's needed to the elderly. Yes. They won't but, but do it. Yeah, but they're after the property see, that's, held, that's held by the elderly. They want them to sell the property. So they, they they can gain out of that as well. So there'll be not and there'll be no inheritance there then for the children or the grandchildren, whoever. Ah, uh, well, they'll come on now. I'm you're a reasonable man. You're, like like I know. that's well, fantasy well, land, well, surely. Why? Surely you 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 don't think from day one that the the so-called fair scheme was a fair scheme, do you? It seemed to work quite well um, in the sense that people only had to contribute what they could afford and they were assessed on it rather than everybody being thrown to the wolves and being told there is no fair scheme for you. We are not going to engage with private nursing homes to get you a place. How chaotic would that have been? Yeah, yeah. So, so We would be relying on HSE run ones and they might even be institutional. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, but you're, yeah, but you're, what they've done now is they've just made your home a deposit on your bed. 
That can happen. Yes, it can happen. Yeah, there can yeah, be a lien on your yeah, property. Yeah, so you're telling me now, so that care, care of the elderly now is going to be judged by the depth of your wallet, is it? Yes, like, it, like, uh, it like, is. Like, 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 like justice in this country. Yes, the fair deal scheme is 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 is, is calculated <laughs> on the depth yeah. of your wallet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, taught up by a, a bean pusher, without any thought for the consequences for the elderly and for the people who, at this stage in life, may be suffering from dementia, and, and they're now going to be tossed out, is it? If so does, if Beaumont yeah. if Beaumont as a typical example and perhaps more to come if Beaumont residential yeah. care setting doesn't get the one thousand two hundred and seventy a week that they need already they're they're getting one thousand eighty five and they can't afford um, then all of those that are in it will have to go so the is difference it in it is is uh, the difference in it is eighty five euro a week I'd say it's a pity the, gov- the government will think it's a pity that uh, what you call it. That care bill that they're trying to bring in as it for the guys, you know, assisted death bill uh, isn't true, you know. To 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 solve to solve solve all the problems for the government, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that's true. That's huh? true. That's true. I suppose when you look at it like that, I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's the way they make these decisions, yeah, uh, but, rational or otherwise. But you know, yeah, but sure, what the what the family should do now is take their take their elderly out and drop them all off to the A and E in the hospitals. Listen. People, people better get staff getting militant about taking care of the elderly because they are going to be elderly. Well, we know of the government in this with regards to certainly Fianna Fáil and perhaps Fianna Gael and the Greens. I wonder what the opposition are making of all of this, which would be maybe independence, op- social uh, solidarity. Uh, Sinn Féin? What? Uh, no, no. We've given up Sinn Féin. We had great hopes of them being in opposition in the country one time. But it looks like they've, they've taken the soup now as well, you know. All right. Okay. All right, so, let me talk so, like, to let me talk to Don. Yeah, all like, right. Thank, thanks, John. Not 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 blowing smoke, you know, anything. But from what I'm hearing, it's only yourself and one or two other radio stations of the opposition in this country. Yeah. Well. Okay. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. I'm sure it's a compliment, Donald. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Neil. I'll tell you, you just asked the question of yourself there a while ago, and I know the reason you asked it why? is to try and address the balance on things. You know, you asked yourself why uh, does it always get turned around on the refugee thing? Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I think they, like that question needs to be answered before it's just left hanging there. And I think the answer to that question is, it's not turned around on the refugee thing. It's turned around on the availability of the amount of money that's been spent on the refugee thing and on everything else, bar the things that are affecting the Irish people. All of the, the, like the health crisis, the homeless crisis, all of those crises that are going on within the country, there was no money all along to resolve any of them. Now, all of a sudden, there's all this money available to resolve another crisis, which is not a crisis of the Irish people. Okay, can I just say, just as a by the way, are you aware that a a, a proportion, I don't know how much, but I will find out, but a proportion of this fund for uh, Ukrainian war refugees and indeed people under international protection, that's funded by the EU. All of it, Neil. No, I don't think all of it, but a a fair proportion Uh, of it. See, this is the thing, Neil. This is the thing, Neil. Why Why isn't this being told truthfully the amount that's been paid by the Irish taxpayers and the amount that's been paid by anybody else. We need to know that, Neil. And maybe then, if, 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 if people have this thing in their head that all of that money is coming from the Irish taxpayers, 
obviously they're going to be aggrieved and angry. But if if the truth was told and the amount of money that really has been spent by the Irish taxpayers on that crisis, maybe people might have a different opinion. Or maybe they might be even more angry because it might be a lot more than they mm. actually think has been spent. Mm. Mm. So I, I think, Neil, like, to give the impression, and I'm not saying you did, I think you're trying to redress the balance, uh, to give the impression, though, that the Irish people are turning on the refugees, the Irish people are turning on the government, and the dis- it's a disgraceful government. We've had a, it must have been the worst government ever, and the, the, the scandal of the amount of money, because there is money there, the amount of money that was there that was never spent on resolving the problems of the Irish people, that is a scandal. And that scandal okay. needs to be spoken about and people need to react to that okay. scandal. The, the, and if they react to protest, good on them. And I think the more protests that the government, the, the more protests that they are, the more this government and whatever government we get next will realise that the Irish people have had enough. Because that's the reality. The Irish people have literally had enough. Mm. That is very much the the attitude in the UK, apparently. Uh, but we we're, mu- we're, we're you know we're much slower for people to be saying what you're saying publicly, p- politicians anyway. But in the UK, all of the politicians want um, no more net migration into the UK, and they're and they're very open about it, and they're very open about it on radio. Yeah, and television. You can't be open they're, in this country. But, but, but at, while, while they are being that open, I don't hear anybody calling them racist at the same time. You know. That's my point, Neil. That's the problem in this country. The minute that you mention the money that's been spent on a crisis that is not all making, the minute you speak about that, you're classified as racist. Yeah, but I have, I have a responsibility not to be in, not to be stoking up hatred where it could actually turn and people are, and against that's what people. You were addressing. No, you were it, addressing the balance when you asked yourself that question a while ago. Why does it always turn? But it's not turning. That's storing up to me. That is stirring up things because people are not, I mean, the world needs to know only that the Irish people are not racist. The Irish people have had enough of their government. That's the difference. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. Okay. It's the government have had enough of it. All right. Well, thank you, for pi- thank, you, thank you for picking up my point. I appreciate it, Donald. I'm going to talk to Andrew, if no, you don't no. mind. Thank you. Cheers for now. And, on t- okay. and you too, on top of all of that, of course, I also gave you examples of what's available on daft.ie and the insane sure. rents that people are being asked to yeah. pay. That um, would never have happened if the, if the homeless crisis had been addressed, just like the crisis of, of, for the immigrants, if that had been ad- yeah. addressed as urgently and, and as so much money thrown that we wouldn't have the problem okay I'm going to get I have I have some figures here but they're they're about 10 months old thank you thank you Uh, you too I'm going to get the exact figures as to what this is costing us I think I think it could be anywhere between 48 and 50 million a month and then I'll try and work out what the share is between what we're paying ourselves and what the European fund is paying mind you we pay into the European fund anyway so it means that it's taxpayers money either way Uh, Andrew's on WhatsApp Andrew thanks for holding good morning all right, little bit of a delay on that or not at all. So I'd have to find out if that line has dropped. Yeah, a few problems with phone lines this morning. Not to worry, live radio, that happens. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. All right, uh, text 0868-104-106. Let's see if that's sorted. Andrew should be on WhatsApp. Andrew, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, and thank you for holding your thoughts on all of this. You were you were the person that said, is, is, is the government trying to start a civil war or something? Go ahead. Well, a lot of people don't realise, like, it's the people looking in from other countries, Irish people, can see a lot better than the people actually living in Ireland. Because we, we live in big cities here, big Pardon me, you're in the UK. You're listening in, in you're London-based, I think. Go ahead. I'm London, yeah. And we're, we're living in, we're used to all this, like, you know what I mean? We saw the years building up and building up and building up. But the way I look at Ireland, like, they're really, really just throwing the Irish to a side, like. Throwing you know what? what I mean? Throwing the Irish to one side. Mm. You know, I mean, I lived in I lived in Mahan, I lived in the Glen, I lived in Walter's Place. You know, I'm gone forty years now, nearly like, but it was hard enough then. But Jesus, you could make a living. Mm. Mm. No, it's like one income. You know, a, one, a one income family could survive back then, couldn't now? Oh well, I fed me wife and kids. Even I went to England for a better life. Thank God. Yeah. You know, I mean, the way I look at it here, my kids are grown up and they're all working and married now. Well, I don't have to have that worry. They're immigrating from Cork to England because they're already here. You know what I mean? You, you, the youth over there, like, you know, they're getting no help at all. The minute they get a job, then tax them to the hilt. You must tax them. Yeah, but you, know you, you, you have a fairly draconian tax system over there as well. Maybe not as bad, but... Tax. Yeah, we, we, no, nobody likes paying have, tax, but you you pay it because you think that society will be better for it. At least I do. But then I see well, loads of examples of where it's not worth a curse paying tax because things are just getting worse. Well, Neil, I give you a small little small little story, eh? And I'm retired now, and I go to out to me a local once a week, maybe on a Friday for a pint. And there's four cocklets. Walking, the, walking down the road with my son. Mm. And they're married. They have mortgages. Their family are in Cork. Right. Now, they're walking here on the building site, chippies. Lovely lads. Yeah. And married with kids. They love Cork with a passion, like a passion. And they're lonely. They're walking away. But one of them said to me, Andy, I'm paying my mortgage. My kids are fed and clothed. And my wife goes in town with a few pounds in her purse. If this is the sacrifice I have to do for this, then I I have to do it. But have you not asked them why these four carpenters aren't uh, carpenters in Cork? Because while one fella taught me he's working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the government and Thursday and Friday for his home. In Ireland, is it? In Ireland, in Cork, yeah. So are they better paid carpenters over there? Well, roughly now, I'd say at the moment, they're taking about 1300 to £1,400 a week after right. tax. Okay, after tax. After tax, You would yeah. never get that unless you had your own carpentry business. If you were working for someone as a carpenter, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't get half that. And they have, when they're paying their tax, they have the free hospitals, free doctors... They'll, they'll register themselves 
and they can put themselves down after a year for a council house. Now, they might never get it, but you never know. Someday, his wife and kids will say, let's go to that. Mm, mm, mm. And it got it. You know, I mean, there's there's something there from all the time. But over there, like, it seems like that they just they go. I see there's another tax going on and on AC for cars, like, oh, because they're goggling perpetual. Mm, mm. What more can you do, Neil? Let's be fair. No, I'm not biased on that against uh, the refugees. And I asked you a question once, and out of the 80,000 people that have come to Ireland, it all started off with, we're taking women and children from the Ukraine. Fair enough, it's war, fair enough, look after the women and children. How many women and children just came to Ireland out of that 80-odd thousand? Yeah, yeah, they weren't all just women and children, and they weren't, no. they weren't all of, um, they weren't all... Elderly, some of them oh. were of fighting age. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why that was, but you know, you, you, you got a lot of homes coming up in my hand, like, and they're fitted and bedded. All you got to do is walk in, like, right? Everything is there for you. But then you got the homeless in Cork City, staying in in, in in hostels and everything, right? That would give an arm and a leg just to walk into an empty one. Mm. The mind is say a furnished one. Yeah. But why didn't they just turn around and say, right, we're going to give some of the refugees, say, 30, 40% of these houses? Yeah, but they've now, they've now run out of places for refugees, asylum seekers, immigrants. They've lost it. They've well, run the, out of places for them now as well. Well, the way I look at it, Daniel, someone's making a lot of money, my friend. I think myself, like, you know what I mean? And remember, I'm an they outsider. Are, yeah, and it's primarily, it's primarily hotels that are making all of this money and lots of it, yeah. And, I, and the government, to me, are doing so much damage at the moment that the new government is going to be walking into a pile of shit. Mm, okay, okay. And another thing I've got to have to tell you because you're annoying me. Stop comparing Ireland with England. Two different countries are together. If you put a compass in the middle of Pan and draw a 15-mile radius, I'll be generous, i give you a 20-mile radius, and put 9.5 million people into it, that's London alone. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Yeah, in Completely terms of scale. different countries. In terms you know, of it's scale. Lovely. I listen to every morning. There's a lot of people here listen to you because some Sundays we have a pint. And uh, and you chat about the week, yeah. Fair play. I'm delighted to hear oh, that. Long may it continue, Andrew. Nice to have you on board. Okay. And it's lovely listening to you, Neil. And sure. God bless. And all right. God, bless all the pe- God bless all the people in court. Thank love you, love Andrew, as always. Do stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. Uh, interestingly, I managed to get some figures that are quite up to date. They're the 30th of May, 2023, which makes it today. It's an update from Michael Lehan. I think he probably is a political correspondent with, with RTE. Uh, Michal Lehan, uh, and he says that the government has spent 976 million on Ukraine accommodation and related costs since the Russian invasion of 2022. So, give or take a few million, it's just short of one billion. Uh, 700 rapid built homes will soon be able to house up to 2,800 people in family units, and amongst them, that would be the recently finished one down in Mahan. So, the figure 
is just short of a billion at this stage. Text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. After uh, 11 this morning, we have episode 6 of You Couldn't Make This Up. Uh, Tomorrow will be episode 7, and after tomorrow, then we will load all seven episodes onto the Go Loud app and indeed wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on the Neil Prendival Show, an Irish woman's story of a life in the fast lane. We had this magical wedding coming up, like my life was perfect. Dozens of connections, hundreds of millions of euro, and then it turned to chaos. I'm trying to tell a toddler that her father is gone. I didn't think I'd ever have to do. A story of love and loss, and a man who needs to be heard to be believed. Jamie used to always say to me, you couldn't make this up. Catch the new podcast, You Couldn't Make This Up, on The Neil Prendival Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. And listen to the entire series from Wednesday 31st of May on the Go Loud app and wherever you get your podcasts. Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Still to come between now and midday, uh, tickets for Paolo Nottini at Musgrave Park on Wednesday the 14th of June. I'll open the phone lines just before midday today. Red FM's got your summer sorted with tickets to Cork's biggest and best live gigs uh, at Musgrave Park. And also I'll have tickets to give away for Live at the Marquee. So it's uh, Muzzer this week and Live at the Marquee next week so bring it on um, interesting you talk about the weather and the sunshine and things like that I haven't had an opportunity to come back to it but uh, the state of the 99s and the fact that they're crumbly flakes and the whippy vans are freaking out over it if you're behind the wheel or you're uh, an ice cream vendor from a van the Mr Whippy uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on the state of the 99s because apparently they moved production to Egypt I don't know if it has to do with the transportation of the chocolate flakes back that they're all getting busted up in the boxes or have they they, they deny Cadbury's are saying they haven't touched the formula but it's causing all sorts of problems but every single year in the summer there's a 99 related story and there's some kind of a scare wasn't it last year they were saying that there wasn't going to be enough uh, flakes to go into the 99s and stuff like that but anyway more on that if not today certainly tomorrow but you think of those that are overseas on holidays listen with regards to holiday related things do many people send holiday postcards back home when you go abroad to say Spain or Portugal or Greece or Italy or the the Balearics or the case may write a little postcard hi weather great fabulous time wish you were here see you soon put a stamp on it send you home to a loved one or a relative, and it arrives six weeks later. You're back home again a month or maybe six weeks, and then the card arrives. Um, it's, it, it, I mean, traditionally, they're always, always slow. We actually did send some cards when we were away, and that was like weeks ago, and I don't expect them anytime soon. I think it'll be another few weeks. Even though the stamp is the same stamp you'd put on, on a letter, but why is it that the letters arrive so quickly from overseas, but the postcards take weeks and weeks and weeks? I was discussing it this morning at home, and I was told, ah, oh, get over it, you're like Victor Meldrew. It's only a bit of a laugh, it's tradition. And I was saying, but hang on a second, why should it take a month or six weeks for the damn card to arrive? Maybe other people are getting them faster, but they have it nonetheless. And just one or two other things. I was talking about the different dilemmas in life earlier today. You know, I gave you the top 10 dilemmas, like sending the wrong text to the wrong person. Just a couple of quick ones on this. Many, many years ago, it was a Sunday morning. And before going to Mass, I put the oven on to put the roast into the oven. When I got home from Mass, no lovely smell of the roast when I opened the door. The oven was on, 
but the meat was still on the counter. And another one, mistaken identity one I spoke about today. I got into the, I got into the wrong car once outside a shop. <laughs> I tried to start the engine with my key and the guy that owned it was looking out the window at me thinking, is your woman gone mad or what? He came out just when I realised I didn't have leather. I, I, he came out just as I realised that I was sitting in a car and I didn't have leather seats. He was laughing at the state I was in, trying to explain it was a mistake and showing him my car right across the way. Have you a confession? I have. Well, it's actually, I'm putting my mother in the deep end here now, but good she man. won't mind. It's a good, it's a funny story. Um, when we were younger, we used to host uh, French foreign students. You know, you'd come over and you'd host them for a couple of weeks or whatever and they'd do the classes and then they'd head away home. And we did that for years on end. But one of the first times we ever did it, we had a Peugeot 40, was it 306 or 406? It was one of those saloon things anyway it kept breaking down sure typical French cars but she picked up this this girl this 15 year old French girl or whatever she was like you know no very, barely a lick of English like you know the awkwardness you can only imagine came out of Cork airport opened up the car used the key got in the car and then went hang on I didn't have a dog in my car we don't have a dog Realized it didn't she, start did it she, had, she, she didn't start but she managed to open it up so the key it was like a master key must have opened up all those Peugeots at the same time so she had to tell the girl who had just put her suitcase in the boot actually sorry this isn't my car get out of the car walk over to the other one and no one was totally perplexed she probably thought to herself where have I landed now for the next three weeks with this absolutely mad your mother will love you for that confession on her behalf let's see if we can get some more of them text 0868104106 just ahead of the break and then episode 6 of you couldn't make this up the census has just announced the Irish census results for 2022. It's fabulous reading. I love these kind of stats. You'll, you'll enjoy this, so just give me 90 seconds or so on it. This is the first time in 171 years that Ireland's population exceeded the 5 million threshold. 5,149,139 people in the state on Sunday the 3rd of April 2022. That's up from the 2016 census, up 8%. So we're over the 5 million threshold. The average age of the population now is 38.6 years of age. Um, and that's up as well. And the number of people with dual Irish citizenship is also up. It's 170,597. Um, interestingly, you know, when you look at the amount of people who are working from home, uh, approximately a third of all workers worked from home for at least some part of their working week, nearly 750,000 of them. And the, popu- the proportion of the population who identified as Catholic continues to drop. It was 79% in 2016, but in 2022, 69%, so down 10% uh, census on census. Um, 80% of households had broadband internet up from 71%. But if you look at Cork then, I can just give you a couple of stats on Cork with regards to the census. There are more women than men, more females than males living on Leaside by all accounts. And the average age of the Cork population is 39 years of age, up two years. Uh, It's interesting because they also look at uh, the amount of people who've been divorced on Leaside. And it's a steady figure. The proportion of separated and divorced people in Cork remains steady 
at 6% of the Cork population. Same as the last census. They're just a few stats. You're going to be reading all about this in the days to come, of course, because uh, it gives a real snapshot, uh, a very detailed snapshot of life in Ireland on any particular day, on the particular day of the census itself. Lots more texts and emails to come back to um, before we quit for the morning. But after the break, episode six of You Couldn't, Make this up. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. And tomorrow morning, the final episode of You Couldn't Make This Up. And uh, just after that, when we get off the air today, all of the uh, episodes will be all loaded up on the GoLoud app and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. All seven will be available. Interestingly, a number of people have been asking me and also texting and chatting with the lads, is this a true story or is it a work of fiction that you wrote up. It's not a work of fiction in any way, shape or form. form. It is 100% truly accurate and a true story. So episode 7 tomorrow. Uh, before I love you and leave you, Emma, good morning. Hi, how are you? Thanks for holding. Um, I, I, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you, because of course we know now that ordering cocaine and it will arrive even faster than um, getting yourself a hot piping pizza. So finding cocaine in a small little baggie uh, shouldn't surprise yeah. us, but there it is nonetheless in a Southside housing estate. Good morning to you. What you find? Uh, as I, are you sent you a picture? I was actually taking my niece to school and I had dropped my lighter and I went to pick it up and there was the little bag of cocaine and I my heart dropped because my niece and other kids around the estate are constantly playing outside that area. They, they love to kick the ball off the wall. So there's a lot of kids in the estate. There's a Montessori as well across the road from my house. So there's kids in the estate constantly. I've lived in Douglas now since I think 93. And it's the first time I've ever come across something like this mm. in my estate. Mm. Douglas is getting a bit rough though, have you noticed? But it, it is, but our estate is like blocked off. We're down by the new Nemo. So it's a green gate all around the estate. So now, can, can the kids can the kids that. play safely there in the summertime and everything? Oh, look, I found a bag of sherbet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's what I was thinking because my niece was next to me when I saw it. And I was, the first thought was, what if she thought it was sherbet? And yeah. she picked it up. Yeah. Like, my niece is only five. Yeah. And... Likewise with all the other kids well, in the estate, they're all four or five You kids. know what they're like anyway at that age. Uh, uber yeah. inquisitive. I mean, my heart dropped into my stomach. And when I, I told my sister, my niece's mother, she said, tell me the president Well, there, there you have it. I'm, I'm assuming that it's cocaine and not heroin. Oh, Jesus, I hope it's not. Probably. Looking at it anyway, not that I've ever tried cocaine, but it's a kind of a white, granular, powder-looking substance, so comes in a small little baggie like that. But you know what? We're, we've seen the needles, we've seen the paraphernalia, we've seen yeah. the um, injecting kits, we've seen all of the bits and pieces, the tin foil. So now some, some moron, some muppet lost his or her bag of cocaine. Yeah, More than likely, but it was I contacted the mothers in my estate also, to let them know what I had found because children nowadays tend to kind of pick up everything and put their hands in their mouth. 
They do. And you know something? Your kids yeah. are quite small. Your, your nieces and nephews are quite small and young. Mine are much older, yeah. 29 and 27. I really wonder, do people realise how difficult it's going to, navig- to navigate through life now for young people with young children, trying to keep them out of harm's way, trying to keep them away from temptation, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I think it's the stupidity as well of the young people that are going around in a space where there is kids. There's a big Montessori sign written across the road and just dropping drugs on the path. Yeah. Oh, sure. I know. I know. I know. But maybe they're... And God forbid, if anything happened to my niece, I, I think I'd go through hell and water to find out who dropped that. I know what you're saying. I know, I know. Thanks for sending on the photograph. We live in very, very alarming times. You know, we really and truly do. You do your best to keep your children safe. But they should be able to play in a private estate or in a green area without being you worried about whether they pick up a needle or whether, in your case, they pick up a bag of cocaine. Yeah. Thanks, Emma. Yeah. Thanks so much for that. Thank okay. you so much Cheers. for hearing you. Uh, take care of yourself. Um, yeah. I know it's... Um, I know it's the times that we live in, without a doubt it certainly is, but uh, we just seem to be going from bad to worse. Uh, Whether it's cocaine or whether it's heroin, it's so freely available. I don't know, it could be one individual going home. They might even live in the area and just dropped it on the way home, but you might find bunches of young people also chipping in for bags of cocaine and they share it and it's a different person's turn every time they go out. And then, of course, socialising-wise, you go to pubs now or clubs or anything like that and, uh, you know... They say that it's very, very commonplace, both inside and the loos and out in the smoking areas and what have you. We're, we're actually quite hypocritical about it, actually, because we talk about drug dealers and we talk about drugs and the implications of drugs. But yet so many people are actually partaking in it themselves. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Can I leave you on a lighter note, if you don't mind? I was talking about the conundrum um, with regards to people who send postcards overseas. Wish you were here. Weather fabulous. See you soon. And it takes six or seven weeks for them to arrive back. Somebody says to me, the only way to solve the postcard conspiracy is to send two identical cards to the same address. Only difference, send one card, put the other in an envelope. See which one arrives first. The one in the envelope will arrive first. It's like as if they got a vendetta about sending postcards quickly. Of course, what you could do, and I know people who've done it, and hand in my heart, I've forgotten once or twice and I've done it myself, bring the cards home, right? Post them from Ireland. They'll arrive a hell of a lot faster. Right, last bit of business. Lines are open. It's Tuesday, so we're giving away Paolo Nottini tickets for Musgrave Park on Wednesday, the 14th of June. Caller 9 on 0818104106. Pick up the phone only if you can go. Wednesday, the 14th of June. It's Paolo Nottini time. Get dialing for a great gig. Have a good day. Um, oh, there's a quick update, actually. Know the Making Amends fundraising fund that was set up by Cork City fans in aid of Oscars kids and Bumbulance. This was set up, actually, by the other three amigos, the Cork City podcast. We were speaking to Declan on the air yesterday morning after those morons were shouting at the Shamrock Rovers manager about his son who was suffering with leukaemia. They wanted to flip this and try and change the narrative and do something positive. It now stands at €8,200. The target now has been increased from 5000 to 10000 So that continues. I don't have the details, but hopefully after the ad break, I'll be able to give you a quick steer as to where you can contribute yourself. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Something 
something positive out of the stupidity of the people that uh, were not actually attending the Cork City game but looking down at it from a beer garden above in the pub and the stupidity of them. So if you want to donate, it's idonate.ie forward slash ccfc, as in Cork City Football Club. idonate.ie forward slash ccfc. FC, helping Oscar's kids and of course Bumbleins, the ambulance service for children. Meanwhile, so far we've got uh, Mary McKiernan in White Point Moorings in Cove, beautiful place to live down there, scoring some tickets for Paolo Nottini at Musgrave Park for June 14th. Overtime, have a good day, enjoy the weather. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.